Welcome to The Art of Leadership, the podcast where we talk to diverse and prominent leaders about how the humanities informs their leadership. I'm your host, Norman Sandridge, and our guest today is Susanna Welford, the president and founder of Running Start, a nonpartisan organization based in Washington, D.C., that mentors women for careers in politics beginning as early as high school. Susanna speaks frequently to colleges, law schools, political groups, trade associations, and nonprofits about the importance of involving more young women in politics. She has also lectured about politics to many international groups, including women from Kuwait, Southeast Asia, Korea, Bahrain, and Russia. She was invited to Kuwait by the Kuwaiti government in the spring of 2006 to meet Kuwait's first women candidates and to advise them on campaigns, and has been sent by the State Department to speak in the Maldives, Sri Lanka, Israel, Belgium, and Moscow. I want to read just a little bit uh, of Running Start's mission to give you a sense uh, of how this, uh, what this organization is about. And I quote, by educating young women and girls about the importance of politics and imbuing them with the skills they need to be leaders, we give women the running start they need to achieve greater political power. With an earlier start in politics, women will climb higher on the leadership ladder, allowing more women to share in the decision-making power of this country. Today, we'll be getting to know Susanna and what kind of leader it takes to create an organization like Running Start. We'll also be exploring the question of how transferable certain leadership skills are. And then we'll tackle the central question of Running Start, and that is how you mentor someone to become a leader. Welcome to the program, Susanna, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Norman. I'm excited to speak to you today. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump right in. I, one of the first things I like to, to learn from people is how you relate to the word leader. Do you identify as a leader? Is this a word you use to think about yourself and to mm-hmm. think with? Wow, that's a hard question to start with, Norman. Um, I think that since I've been leading this organization for 12 years, I I do think of that title in association with myself. Um, and I, I led another organization before running start. Um, I really like the term servant leader the best mm-hmm. because that implies that you're not a leader because you want to, um, to be powerful it's really that you want to be a leader so that you can help other people to do things. You're a servant to the mm-hmm. people that you're leading. And so that is, that's very much where I come from. Mm-hmm. Do you like wielding authority? I know. That's Cause, so cause interesting. Usually when I mean, you hear the word servant, you don't think of uh, someone who holds, holds power. Well, I mean, not to, not to psychoanalyze myself too much, but mm-hmm. I think that I am slightly uncomfortable wielding authority. And that's something that I've had to really work on as a leader mm-hmm. is, okay, you know, sometimes you really do know the best way to do these things. And you've been doing this a long time. You're, you're at the top of this for a reason, but mm-hmm. um, I do feel some discomfort. And I actually think that that discomfort, I feel is something that's very, very common in women is thinking, Am I sure mm. I'm the best person to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Whereas men uh, perhaps don't second guess themselves no, as much as they not as much. ought, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, very good. Well, so, so uh, on this this term leader is is it? It sounds like it's a term you grew into, but I, I'm curious when when you were younger, say, you know, a, a kid or in high school or college, uh, w- did you do leaderly things? Would you would you have identified yourself as a leader back then? Well, I mean, definitely in middle school, no way. I mean, not at all. And then in 10th grade, I went to a new school and I um, ran for, I think, president of my class I think I ran the first month that I was at that school. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. All of a sudden. So I had gone from feeling like I wanted to just disappear and have nobody, you know, I would have been invisible if I could have in my Mm -hmm. previous school. Wow. And then for some reason, something just clicked. So I lost. I lost that race. And then um, in college, though, that that. Um, idea that feeling of wanting to lead stayed with me, and I um, I did lead some um, groups in college. Mm. And what was putting it in your head to make you? What, it, one of the things that Running Start talks about is that women sometimes need to be asked more than once uh, to to get into a leadership role because they are uh, they tend to be more self critical 
uh, what what got you past that that hurt? That's such a fascinating story. That yeah. did, did did someone? Did you uh, see a movie? Read a book? Someone no, put I, it in you your know, head? Norman, like, I wish I had a good answer to this. Yeah. Um, I was actually at Murray when I ran um, uh, Murray School in D.C. and. Maybe it was a friend because mm-hmm. I, I really I felt so much more confident as soon as I started Murray. Interesting. Um, but um, maybe you didn't have the baggage that you. I think had that that's the, true. But you know hmm. what I really think? I think that um, I, from the time I was a little girl, even if I had long periods where I was very shy and didn't want people to sort of notice me. I still was I had a lot of opinions about how things should be mm-hmm. done and I think that's probably really what it was is that it clicked once I I got to high school that I could be actually using my voice to change stuff that I didn't like mm-hmm. and that was an intimidating idea but it also felt so powerful just mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. that by voicing your own thoughts on how something should change mm-hmm. that you could actually yeah. make it happen I think it was that that idea, and maybe I'd always sort of had it in the back of my mind, but mm-hmm. um, that that really made a difference. So, so, so maybe it, it was almost like a an aware uh, an awareness of your own conscientiousness. Uh, like, but, in other but, words, that you you had been observing things that maybe other people weren't noticing or other people weren't speaking so, out about, so and maybe, it kind of empowered you yeah, to notice that, that difference. But, but I think that it's really important. Uh, one of the things we talk to our students about so much is that um, you don't have to be the sort of person who has always been the most outgoing, the mm-hmm. you know the the loudest voice in the crowd. You don't have to have that personality in order to get to the top and to really get people to listen to you. Often it really is about issues. It really is mm-hmm. about saying something nobody else had heard or coming up with a, a solution to a problem yeah. that um, nobody else had come up with that solution before. And that the, a really quiet voice done the right way can can rise to the top. And I think that's really important. Interesting. Yeah, I, I had – that reminds me of a very similar anecdote I had of a student – in one of my ancient leadership classes one time, you know, she took the class not identifying as a leader, um, but after kind of doing some group work and being kind of pressed to think about, like, what is your contribution to the group? What's uh-huh. the most that you can do for the group? Maybe it's not the one, you know, who holds the floor and uh, shoots the mouth off mm-hmm. the most. But she, she realized, like, no, I'm actually a really good observer of human behavior yeah. and human talents. Yeah. And I can see how this puzzle works. I can see how the different members of the group fit together and, uh, you know. But, but I think that, that that just hits the nail on the head because somebody who is – quiet but who's watching and listening Mm -hmm. can learn so much about what's needed to solve a problem and so often the leaders that we see they're not doing that so they're too busy (laughs) talking or they're too busy you know doing their own thing to actually take that time to observe and and listen right right how about um some leaders either from your your childhood or even uh up until now leaders that you may have gotten acquainted with from film or literature that you read or things that, that you you would say you draw inspiration from or maybe even consciously try to emulate? Can you think of anyone? Um, so you're not talking about real people. You're talking Could be either about people one. that I – well, I mean, I, ha- I have a lot of real people, of course. Um, I, I'm thinking about um, the fact that I very freq- frequently read books about um, female heroines mm. and that um, – my favorite stories to read are all about somebody facing adversity, having something just awful happen, and then how do they get out of it? Mm-hmm. How do they actually um, go through it so that they can come out the other side and, and be better for it? I, I feel like I've read a hundred books. Yeah, yeah. Are, well, t- tell us, on. tell us four or five. They well, just come I, to the now, top. but you know, now you're quizzing me, and <laughs> I'm, um, I, I mean, I can, I can think of. Well, Wild Swans was an awesome one. Um, even The Good Earth, I mean, that is mm-hmm. mainly talking, it's mainly through the man's perspective, but just, um, nice. and The Grapes of Wrath, like books like that that are um, showing people at their sort of most elemental, most raw mm-hmm. um, uh, situations that they ever face in life, and then how they how they get past that, or what they do to deal with that. Um, those are my favorite things. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. What about uh, how how do you uh, how do you hope people see you as a leader? Like what 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 would be some of the leadership traits 
that you try to project and that you hope people would emulate in you? Well, I feel like those are two different questions. So the first one you said is is how would you like for people to see you? And I I know exactly what that is. So I want people to see me as somebody who um, is really real and who cares about them Mm -hmm. so that I'm doing my job um, not because I want to be ahead of an organization, but because Mm -hmm. I want to... um, make these young women who go through the program feel confident and mm-hmm. understand that they can do something. And so I want them to know I've got their best interest at, at heart and um, to see me as somebody who they can always talk to and and who is available. But mm-hmm. most of all, who is real and, and honest about all the stuff that goes into mm-hmm. trying to trying to raise your voice and say something and, and mm-hmm. lead because it's there's not a day that I don't have self-doubt about something that I'm doing and mm-hmm. I think that everybody does maybe maybe women more than men um, but everybody does and I think that that uh, being open and honest about that the fact that you can feel just yeah. like earth-shaking doubt <laughs> and then get up and give a fantastic speech that those two things can live in the same yes. person, yes. like almost simultaneously. I think that's really important because I think there are a lot of people who, who have that self doubt, who think that they're not very good at certain things, and they think, "Well, that's yeah. it. I can't do this." And I want them to know they can absolutely do it. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people too, I think, um, feel like they will lose credibility if they yeah. express doubt. In I other know. words, like the assumptions yeah. we make about the leader is supposed to have all the answers. The leader is supposed to be. Uh, unflappable, you yeah. know, composed. And I mean, e- even when I think about myself, when I ask myself, if I, you mm-hmm. know, am I a leader, my palms start to sweat because I, yeah. I start to wonder, you know, right. okay, well, what does that mean exactly? Like, right. uh, yeah. you know, do you, the minute you own that word, do you now have a target on your back? Like, yeah. are you, you know, not only your own self doubt, but the doubt that anyone in the room might project onto you starts. No, uh, it's to, true. But, but I think, yeah, the, the, the willingness. Uh, to share that in in the right con if if people are being sensible, I think they really appreciate um, that that a leader understands the complexity mm-hmm. of a problem and that you know there's not always a, an easy solution and that yeah. you know it's a it's always kind of touch and go. Well, and yeah. that it's hard. I mean, yeah. it's hard to stand up and give a speech. It's hard to. I mean, fundraising is particularly mm-hmm. hard. It's hard to go mm-hmm. and ask somebody for money. It's it's hard yeah. to deal with just figuring out how to grow an organization. Like there's so many things that are difficult and I think owning up to that difficulty is really important. Are you a different leader now than when you started running start? (sighs) Yes. How would you, uh, um, so I think, I think the main, the main thing is I'm, I'm way more confident. Mm. I mean, it's funny saying that on the heels (laughs) of what I just said, but I mean, I think that, um, I believe way more, in myself and in my ability to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You're battle tested, right? Yeah, I'm battle tested <laughs> and I I feel like so now we're ten years we're twelve years in. I I know that I have what it takes to to do what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I, I you know, when I was two years in, <laughs> I thought uh, yeah. you know, who who knows yeah, yeah. whether well, but, but it also sounds like uh, you've met a lot of other leaders. You've built a, an amazing team. You, you know, you're a great community, and, and all of that yeah. must give you oh, a lot no, of that, confidence that, yeah, that. as well. Well, and but, talking to other leaders and realizing they're all going through the same things yeah. I am. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that helps. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Well, I, I want to uh, transition uh, to this idea of um, the transferability of leadership skill. Mm-hmm. This is You, you could kind of think of this as a philosophical problem. And, and one of the the most straightforward ways of pitching it would be something like this. Um, do, you know, do the different leadership roles transfer from one to another? In other words, would a good military leader make a good mm. baseball coach? Yeah. Would a good baseball coach make a good politician? Would a good politician make a good business leader? Like the, right. the, the, these kinds transfer? of questions. Yeah, and, and so uh, w- w- one of the... Um, 
um, the, the great ancient examples of this comes from uh, this play by Aristophanes, the Lysistrata, that is uh, often seen as kind of a proto-feminist uh, play because it's an instance of uh, a woman, Lysistrata, an Athenian woman, uh, rising up, calling an assembly of other women uh, and, and trying to convince them to make the men stop fighting the, the war between Athens and Sparta that has been raging on for 20 years. And, and their, their famous solution to that is to impose a sex strike and to tell all the men, oh, you right. know, we're not, I, I you know, we're never, <laughs> we're never having sex with you until you reconcile uh, in like this war. I feel like something like this was just posited recently. Yes, yeah, in Liberia. Um, oh, it was, oh, it was tried. America, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, well, the, there's a Spike Lee movie, uh, Chirac, from, I believe, 2015, yeah. where uh, it's, it's, again, a conceit that it doesn't really happen, but uh-huh. uh, the women uh, in rival gangs in Chicago uh, come together and have a sex strike. And, uh, and, and, and often, like, the, the word sex uh, co-ops every, you know, further discussion of this play. But yeah. it's really, I think, as, as much as it is about the sex strike, it's about women coming together, um, just coming to an assembly. How, mm-hmm. how outrageous is that to bring people together yeah. uh, for a meeting and talk about their identity, talk about their values, talk about what they want to do? I mean, just do, doing that it, it's, mm-hmm. is kind of a, uh, a textbook example, I think, of how underrepresented or minority groups come together and, and develop a, a collective voice. Um, but but in, in, in at one point in the play, uh, Lysistrata is speaking to uh, an Athenian magistrate, and she tries to argue that, look, you know, w- we know that women uh, live, in ho- live at home, they've been marginalized, they have no say mm-hmm. in politics, but actually we have a lot of skills mm-hmm. that would translate. And I wanted to read a passage with yeah, you if you would be, be up for that. I'm going to play the, the skeptical magistrate, and you're going to be uh, Lysistrata, uh-huh. and, and we're going to talk about how women, it's, it's, a, it's a fanciful conceit in some ways, and it's not, you know, an analogy that we might use today, but it's an analogy from weaving. And uh, even in the ancient world, the idea of weaving uh, as a form of statecraft was a, was a very potent uh, metaphor. So Lysistrata is, is picking up on that. And I want to read this passage and then kind of ask you about how do you um, convince women to, to believe, or how do you get women to believe that a lot of their leadership is already inside them, even yeah. if they haven't used that word "leader" before. Right. Like you've got, so I want to look at some examples with you, and let's let's have let's have fun with this uh, dialogue here. So I, yes. I'm, I'm the magistrate, and you're Lysistrata, and the magistrate says, "And how will you find the power to stop so many violent disturbances throughout our states and then resolve them?" Very easily. But how? Explain that. It's like a bunch of yarn. When it's tangled, we take it and pass it through the spindle. Back and forth. That's how we'll end the war. If people let us try by sending out ambassadors here and there, back and forth. You're an idiot. Do you really think you can end such fearful acts with spindles, spools, and wool? If you had any common sense, you would you deal with everything the way that we do, the way that we handle yarn. What does that mean? Tell me. First of all, just as we wash the wool in a rinsing tub to remove the dirt, you have to lay the city on a bed, beat out the rascals, and then drive away the thorns and break apart the groups of men who join up together in their factions seeking public office, pluck out their heads, then into a common basket of goodwill, comb out the wool, the entire compound mix, including foreigners, guests, and allies, anyone useful to the public good, bundle them together. As for those cities, which are colonies in this land, by God, you must see that as far as we're concerned, each is a separate scheme. For all of them, take a piece of wool and bring it here. Roll them together into a single thing. Then you'll have one mighty ball of wool from which the public then must weave its clothes. All right. Oh, I like that. So, yeah, I mean, She's kind, awesome. kind of a, you know, multicultural, diverse uh, <laughs> yeah. vision. Uh, and, and, of course, it's slightly reminiscent of Basket of Deplorables uh, as, a, as, a, as a metaphor. But, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, so, so, she you know, she's trying. I mean, it, it, it's hard to know how serious Aristophanes would have been about this, mm-hmm. uh, this particular analogy. But, as I say, uh, the, the, the idea of weaving and statecraft uh, is is a very very ancient one, and mm-hmm. so so I'm curious uh, w- when you're talking to women, what, what what do you tell them are the um, the the skills, the the dispositions, the attitudes, the training that that's kind of already there 
uh, yeah. that, that just that, that is translatable into a leadership context, right? But that they might not think exactly is a leadership yeah. quality. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, people look at politics and they think it's about um, about power, right? And they think, well, I'm I wouldn't want to be a part of that, and I'm not a powerful person. But then, if you reframe it and you say, this is really about solving problems. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. about um, having that solution that is finally going to to help um, get rid of this problem. And I think a lot of women forget that in their daily lives, whether it's with their children, um, with small businesses that they own, just even within the family or the schools, mm-hmm. they are solving problems. They are often the ones who come up with the, the good solution. Women are – we're so um, – we look at problems in a different way because we have not been the most powerful people in in society. We often have to be creative in the way that we solve problems. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're cooking something for dinner and it requires an ingredient that you don't have, we're so um, agile to be able to think, well, actually, I could use this instead. And, mm-hmm. and so resourcefulness maybe would resourcefulness, be one trait. Yeah, but creativity. I think it's also – yeah, I do. I think it's creativity too. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is we have not been part of this old boys network where, you know – I'm a guy and I call you and say, hey, Norman, let's meet on the golf course and you right. can get me a job. Because we haven't been a part of that, um, we sometimes think that we don't have that power to connect. Mm-hmm. But, of mm-hmm. course, we have incredible networks of of women friends um, mm-hmm. that are already existing. And it's really just making it okay to you know tell these women you can use these friendships actually not just as friendships but you can mm-hmm. help each other to get ahead yeah, yeah you can help each other to to have power do, do you find that that women uh are sometimes more uncomfortable oh, yeah. for, for lack of a better word using each other in this way whereas maybe men don't don't have a problem yeah. saying hey do you have yes, a job for me on this yes, and it's such a mistake and women too. are un- just uncomfortable uh, because i mean and first of all, I, I have no problem with that. <laughs> and most of my girlfriends don't either. But, um, yeah, I feel like women think they're not allowed to talk business. They're not allowed to um, mm-hmm. get outside of sort of the the girlfriend conversations about, you know, how's, how's your husband? What's going on with your children? Right, right. And really, um, I, I have some fabulous male friends, but um, the majority of my network are, are women. And we have learned how to really fabulously help each other get mm-hmm. jobs, be nominated for things, um, find uh, great connections for money. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so, but it's just reframing. It's telling women it's okay to use your, your connections mm-hmm. um, for business as well. So, so th- this brings me to kind of a, again, a kind of a larger philosophical question that we could take two or three hours to, mm. to discuss. But, but as I'm hearing you talk about, um, uh, kind of the, these latent leadership abilities and you, you, you talk about uh, women not necessarily desi- you know, being desirous of power or of being yeah. in charge. Would you characterize, uh, well, I'm trying to think about the best way to, to kind of approach this question. Would you characterize uh, women's leadership as being more democratic than, say, monarchic, uh, in a, a, you know, a, a single a single leader, and and as, maybe as you're thinking about it, I'll, I'll give you sort of a bigger context of why I'm I'm wrestling with these questions um, on on the theme of of transferability of leadership okay. skill. Uh-huh. One of the the common assumptions that that is kind of everywhere today is that business leadership is is almost a prerequisite now for getting into political life at, le- at least the way le- male leaders in particular often present themselves is like you know i'm I, I started this this business for myself and now it has this many employees right. and it made this much money uh and and therefore i'm qualified to be a, a legislator you know to right. make laws and right. uh and and think and and that you know we're eaten up with that i, I think it's a yeah. very concerning um, kind of kind of analogy, mm-hmm. but but we're eaten up with that. We we tend to assume that. And the thing is, you know, business leadership tends to be, at least in my limited understanding of it, more monarchic, right? You know, yeah. the, the the business leader was not chosen democratically, right? And uh, they don't you know, when you get a new seat, usually, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's very hierarchical. Yeah. It's very monarchic. Uh, and again, uh, it still seems to be the case. Uh, I know there, are, uh, you know, many wonderful. Uh, women who are CEOs and business leaders, but it still tends to be oh uh, a male-dominated. If anything, it's actually the number of women has gone down recently. Is that right? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, back to my question now yeah. is, you know, are, are women more democratic and are women therefore, well, you know? Well, so um, women absolutely are more collaborative leaders. So maybe that's the answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are great there are great examples from Congress of women um, working with their colleagues to um, craft legislation, but doing it across the aisle mm-hmm. too. So and, and we find that uh, looking internationally too that when you look at the traits that people most want in leaders, being a collaborative leader, somebody Mm -hmm. who's going to, you know, listen to a lot of different viewpoints and pull people together is one of the Mm -hmm. highest uh, desirable leadership traits. And um, we score off the charts on that. I mean, so that's something that women around the world, um, we do better than men. And I'm sure there's some. Mm -hmm. um, When when you say it's, uh, it's one of the most desirable traits, uh, is it also the trait that people actually choose? You know, because like th- there's a distinction sometimes yeah. between desire. Oh, people know. will say like, right. "I want McDonald's I to know. to have healthier food," right. but, <laughs> but I'm actually going to order a Big Mac, no, no matter right. how many things you put on the menu yeah, that are actually, good for know, me. So, and I'm just thinking, I'm thinking about where I read the study, and it, it's possible that it was asking. Um, uh, employees, you know, of a leader, mm-hmm. what are the traits that you most want to see? And of course, they want collaboration because they want to be asked for their opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I now I now I want to go back and look yeah, at that yeah. study, and I want to see if if actually how many of the male leaders get high marks for that too. Yeah, and and, and do do people actually you know do they actually choose that choose you know when when, when there are uh, elections or uh, when people are hired? Yeah. Uh, Things like that. And, and this this brings me to a question. Uh, this democracy, monarchy distinction brings me to a question about uh, the mission of Running Start. Uh, you, your organization is thoroughgoing in, t- in its nonpartisanship. Yeah. But I wonder, uh-huh. uh, is, is there a line, uh, for example, uh-huh. uh, if, 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 if a woman applied to be someone, you know, to be part of a Running Start program, and she said, I'm a thoroughgoing monarchist. Uh, not, not, you know, she would not use that word necessarily, but no, she, she would, the, but, yeah. the buzzword today is strong leadership, yeah. right? That, that word strong mm-hmm. kind of means monarchical or tyrannical or some, right. someone who will, uh, uh, run roughshod over sure. custom to to law, go, rule right? of law. Well, no, to get where they want to go. And they would say, I'm doing this as a champion of the people, right? right. You know, like the, the law and order has not worked you know, or the rule of law has not. They would never say it this yeah. way, but the the the, right. the subtext is uh, the the laws are bad, the politicians are bad. You need a strong. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to use his name. You need a strong <laughs> leader who will uh, who will run. You know, roughshod over tradition as as a champion of the people. If you had someone who came to Running Start who was a woman and said, you know, yeah, I'm I'm all on board with your mission of having more uh, women right. leaders. Is is that a line in the sand for you? Or <clears throat> well, so. But, but I, I really – I'll answer that by just saying um, we get young women at a stage where um, they're not running because they're, they're mm-hmm. too young. So we really do um, – we have a high school program, right. you know, 14 to 19, and then our college programs are 19 to 22. I mean, you, you can run for certain offices, right. but I mean, you can't run for Congress um, at that age. And um, so I see us as we are the people who expose – young women to the idea that they can be political leaders. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like STEM. You know, yeah. STEM, you go into a fifth grade classroom, and you're like, listen, right. little girl, you can actually become a biologist. Right, so you bring right. biologists in to, to model and show, look how cool I am. I do this job. And so we do the same thing with politics. Um, so if somebody comes into the program feeling like that, it's my um, – total belief that they will leave the program at least being exposed to the idea that um, that we don't just want them to get into office for the sake of getting into office. We want other things from them. We want mm-hmm. them to help other women. We want them to be good mentors and to be collaborative leaders. And mm-hmm. we want them to um, work across the aisle. I mean, there, there are a lot of things. And they, they hear that message so consistently from us that mm-hmm. – um, at least they're hearing that from somebody. Is, is it important that? Excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> is it important that they care about the rule of law or the freedom oh, of the press? Oh, and you're trying to put me in a things. box. Sorry. And no. I, no. Uh-huh. So I think probably, um, probably there are some 
who come through our program who you would um, not love mm-hmm. uh, just based on that statement. But again, you know, so many of us, we go through life and we never have anybody tell mm-hmm. us, actually, there's another way to be. Right. And I feel like what we're able to do is we're able to show them, look, th- there is mm-hmm. another way to be. And if we all, you know, if you all rise up to be these leaders who really are um, – strong leaders but pe- but people who are able to um hold dear the things that you and I have been talking mm-hmm. about then not just are, is America going to be better but the world is going to be better society right. will will be stronger will work better because we will have good representative leadership for the first time ever right right yeah okay yeah, so uh yeah do you when you think about uh, the future of leadership and uh, it being uh, inclusive of, of many, many more women, do, do you feel like the that it will be a um, quantitatively better leadership or a qualitatively better? But I think better? it has to be both. both. Yeah. And, and really what I believe is that with the quantity comes the quality because – you know, study after study show that when you have a monolithic group of people mm-hmm. making decisions, that those decisions are not going to be as strong right. as when you have a diverse body. And so women bring such diversity. I mean, it's crazy because we're more than half the population, but we bring diversity into leadership and we bring right, right. different leadership styles, different life experiences, different ways of looking at problems, as we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it will change it for the better just having them there. And this is another reason we need to not just get women in, we need to get just the other groups that aren't represented. Mm -hmm. So obviously people of color, um, other minorities, young people, we need to actually have a representative democracy. Then everything will change. Yeah, fantastic. All right, um, I want to take up this this theme of, of mentorship that has kind of been running through um, much of the the conversation uh, you, you you know running start is described as an organization that that mentors mm-hmm. women and uh, uh, it's it's a, amazing and exciting to me that the the very first mentor is actually a woman it's it's Athena from uh, uh-huh. Homer's Odyssey and how uh, she disguises herself as a man uh, named Mentor uh, that that's that's who, where it comes from yeah that's that's who oh. she, she 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 disguises herself as two different characters one named Mentees and one named Mentor and these are both family friends of Odysseus <laughs> wow. and uh, her her job as as she states very very clearly is she's she's going to go to Odysseus's son Telemachus who has been without a father for twenty years while his father has been uh, away and, and wandering uh, she's going to put what the Greeks call menos in him uh, mentors put menos in people uh, and you, you could you could translate it as like a mental activation or uh, even encouragement is a good word uh, so, so so what a mentor does is uh, makes the mentee believe that something is possible when the mentee may have doubted it so I mean it, it, it's so I mean you, you, yeah. you guys channel that um, uh, exactly and and in particular what uh, Athena is going to put into Telemachus is the belief that uh, either he or his father can actually kick out uh, the suitors who have been courting his mother Penelope now for uh-huh. for several years and it's all about him uh, stepping up and assuming that that leadership role that he has not done he hasn't had a father there uh, to to fill in for him so the uh-huh. the mentor is like a uh, is like a father figure so I want to ask you a quite just uh, a couple yeah. uh, scenes from this uh, to see kind of how um, how well uh, what what you guys do or how much it tracks to what Athena is yeah. doing so um, Athena as I say is cast in the role of a surrogate father uh, to Telemachus uh, so and 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 she she's there because uh he's not there and i'm wondering in in your own uh role as a mentor to women in running start and and the other women uh how much of that is a parenting role do you do you ever use that do you ever think of yourself as a mother or a parent to these oh, that's these so women interesting. Um, yeah i i mean i do because i'm so much older than they are so mm-hmm. and my kids tend to be their same age so um mm. i do mm-hmm. i do understand that but um but more and more, we're having our younger 
uh, women mentor. So, I mean, like a college woman mm-hmm. would mentor a high yeah. school woman. Okay. Um, so, so, like a big sister, maybe. Yeah, it is, uh-huh. right. But um, I feel like mothers are all about. Um, uh, unconditional love like you're just you're perfect the way you are Norman. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> thank that, you uh, and that mentors should also be they're trying to um help you understand mm-hmm. your path and sometimes they have to tell you things that you that you don't like and yeah. and um so i see a difference in mm-hmm. um in those two interesting things. so but, so it's kind of like i i believe in you but uh, here's with, how you with do qualifications, yeah, bit, or yeah, yeah, here's what it's going to take. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a dialogue. It's not a, it's not a done deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do think that. Yeah. But I, I really think that the mentorship is one of the most important parts of our work. And when I talk to women all around the world about what holds them back and and what makes them feel not confident in their leadership, mm-hmm. so often people talk about women talk about how other women are not good to them. And have not um, been encouraging. And that kills me more than I can tell you because that is, that's, you know, we're, women as a gender are trying to get to a point of real equality with men. And if Mm -hmm. we are have infighting and cutting each other down, Mm -hmm. then we're never going to get there. So, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say it's almost like an anti-mentorship. If it's the mentor's job to tell you, yes, you can do this, right. there are people out there occupying the role of the anti-mentor where even if you yeah. had thought you might were ca- capable, they, 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 they short-circuit it or cut it right. off. And yeah. part of that is because uh, at least at least you know, 20, 30 years ago, the idea was only so many could make it to the top. Mm-hmm. There are just not that many women who are going to get there. Yeah. And so if you're doing better than I am, then I'm going to try to step on your shoulders and pull myself up because... I want to be the one who gets there. Mm-hmm. Now it's really not like that. You know, now there really, there is so much opportunity. Um, so God, I mean, there's, there's even less reason to, to do that. And so it's one of the things we talk about in every running start program is you need to work together. You need to be peer mm-hmm. um, supporters of each other and you need to find mentors and you need to mentor down because we have to work together mm-hmm. to, to get, um, to get ahead. Yeah, yeah. Continuing this this theme of the the mentor as a parent, uh, do you ever find that there's a limit to the scalability of mentorship? In other words, can mm-hmm. can a mentor have only so many mentees at a certain point before you're, you're either spread too thin, or maybe maybe the the mentees become rival. I mean, if, if you know a, a good, or at least in the, the mentorship relationships yeah. I've been in. Um, the, the mentor makes you feel really special, yeah. and you know Telemachus right. is clearly in a very special place. He's the only one who can perform this role yeah. of becoming head of the household. So the mentor's job is to make make you feel very special. Yes. But you can also find yourself in a situation if if, if the mentor is telling twenty five people you're all so special no, and uh, right? unique. I, and I think yeah. that it needs to be um, a more one on one relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe not totally one on one. Maybe you could do three. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's one. One of the reasons we're just we're actually this summer we will be um, unveiling our big mentorship platform that so we've always had one but mm-hmm. um, now it's going to be um, the mechanism is online and the idea is that we'll have women around the country mentoring and that ah, okay. really almost unless you're in the very youngest cohort you can mentor down and mm-hmm. so we'll uh, you know we, we utilize everybody as a mentor and hopefully. If you're mentoring, if you're a college student mentoring a high school student, you will mm-hmm. be mentored also. So um, I want to spread it then. I want um, I want it to be closer to one on one, and I think that um, that it is it's one of the most valuable things that you can have is somebody who is um, a sounding board for mm-hmm. you, who's older and wiser and has been there. Um, I think mm-hmm. that that is just uh, invaluable. Do, do you think? Um mentoring uh, as distinct from other kinds of leadership training. We could talk about coaching, Mm -hmm. teaching, um, sponsorship, sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah, These kinds of things to me, uh, and I'm not trying to uh, be leading with this question to me, there (laughs) seems to be something kind of gender specific about mentorship that these other forms of leadership training don't have. In other words, like you, you can have a, you know, a male coach of a, female softball player or a teacher a female teacher can teach a male student kinds of things but the 
does it seem, uh, at least intuitively, true to you that um, mentorship works better, or at least works, yeah, not not exclusively, but maybe works better if it's uh, gender specific? Yeah, I mean, that's that. I think that's an interesting question. Um, Mine have all been women, Mm -hmm. but um, your your mentees or your mentors? Men. Oh, actually, kind of both. Uh-huh. Although there is a there is a fabulous man who is serving as a mentor for me now. Um, but uh, you know, you could go on with that question of: Does the mentor and mentee do they need to share race? Mm-hmm. Do they need to share yeah. education level? Um, I think that that's that's trickier for me to try to figure Cultural out. Cultural background, and, yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes. Um, you need a mentor who's going to know exactly where you're coming from because they'll be the most helpful. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need people who can look at you sort of with fresh eyes and and evaluate you that way. Mm-hmm. Um, who doesn't know anything about you know right, where you come right. from? So I actually I think that there I think people should have more than one. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So maybe the mentor should only have one or two, but the um, the mentee could have several. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, here, here's a good one. Um, uh, Athena, in her role as mentor, encourages Telemachus to call an assembly meeting and call out the suitors of his mother, Penelope, for eating the resources of their household. Uh, do you encourage women to call meetings? Uh, I, I, I always tell my huh. students, you know, one of the most basic yeah. things a leader ever does is call a meeting. I mean, wh- whether yeah. it's in a hunter-gatherer society or, yeah. you know, in an advanced, so-called advanced, you know, country with mil- millions of people, just call- calling a meeting. Like, do do women, uh, do, yeah. is this part of, uh, and, uh, and, and on this uh, theme, do you encourage them, do, do they ever uh, have to call a meeting and call out bad behavior the way Telemachus has to oh. tell the suitors, look, you're Ooh, on notice so that's here. The, that's when being a leader is really hard, yeah. when you have to fire somebody. Address, or yeah, to, yeah, or address a, the, you know, a the culture thing. is not working. Yeah. Uh, um, so we practice that actually in the summer with this great exercise we do with the high school students where we have them say, we want everybody to say, all right, we want you to lead a meeting mm-hmm. and write your idea of what you're going to lead the conversation in up on a board. And so mm-hmm. then we have a whole wall full of sticky nice. notes and we actually choose, you know, we obviously can't do them all, but I mean, we'll choose about 20 mm-hmm. and they will be sitting there with 25 of their peers and they'll have to lead this, this, um, conversation. Yeah, and, yeah. Wow. um, and they love that because it's not like in school where you're talking about the reading from last night or leading a class. It's really, mm-hmm. what do you care about the most and how are you going to engage these other people to get them to care about it? So yeah, calling yeah. A meeting. Yeah, that doesn't have a negative aspect, but yeah. that's that would be a good training too. How do you deal with being the heavy? Yeah, you, that's a part of leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assu- assuming yeah, it is. Um, and it, sure. along those lines, there's one famous scene in, in the Odyssey where Telemachus does what we might call uh, today owning the room. Uh, and th- this is a moment yeah. when uh, he's just been activated by mm-hmm. Athena, and the suitors are sitting there, uh, you know, eating eating the food in his household. They're courting his mom, uh, and he he steps up, uh, and 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 his mom has been uh, complaining about mm-hmm. one of the the songs that that the courtly poet is singing about the the homecoming of the different uh, Trojan heroes. And he says, you know, mom, don't do that. You don't, you don't have the right to do that anymore. This is my house. I, I'm, I'm in charge uh, here. And it's really not a message for her. He's, he's indirectly yeah, to signaling yeah. to the suitors like, yes, guess what? There's, there's a new sheriff in town yeah. and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm ready to take over. And, and I'm curious. Yeah, it sounds like yeah, you've got no, it. No, I mean, I'm actually now I want to go back and change my answer from before because I'm actually realizing that one of the big things that we tell them is, you know, we're trying to give them agency. Like mm-hmm. you have the power to change things you don't like, mm-hmm. you know, to offer solutions, but to change things. Yeah. And so if somebody has faced discrimination in their school, which happened last summer, um, we encourage them, look, you know, you need to write a letter to the school superintendent. You need Mm -hmm. to go in there and meet with the principal. You Mm -hmm. need to get a petition that um, your other uh, students can sign. Mm -hmm. So I think that that an enormous part of being a leader is – figuring out how to to stand up mm-hmm. for yourself and get and mm-hmm. and by doing so you help other people too yeah. because other people are being hurt by the same behavior and, and and it seems to involve kind of a signaling too like like you you've decided hopefully yeah. internally 
that I'm you know, not going to take are, it. Yeah, I'm not going right. to take it anymore. Yeah. Things are not going to be the same. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to do this speech act or this letter mm-hmm. writing act or I'm yeah. going to do something to signal. Uh, and you guys, in, that's part of your you would say that's part of your mentoring that you, you do. Or yeah. You? I mean, because I think that that in a uh, like larger sense, the whole program, and I'm thinking right now of our high school program because we're doing it in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, where it's a week-long program. We've got um, 75 girls for six days. And I feel like the whole week is really mentorship because mm-hmm. it is it is teaching them why certain behavior works, you know, teaching them how to deal with different circumstances. Um, what was the thing? Activating them. Yeah. Or... or yeah, a- activating them and and encouraging them to signal their new identity. Maybe yeah. like like if they, if, exactly. if they didn't see themselves as leaders when they came in, mm-hmm. when you go out, you you need to know how to signal in a meeting or at a cocktail party or yes. whatever that you carry yourself differently, you see yourself differently, and you expect to be engaged with differently, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And we make them practice that. I mean, mm-hmm. so they have to give multiple speeches where they they say, you know, I'm Susanna, and this is what I care about, and this is why you should care about it, too. And it, mm-hmm. it is changing the way that they think uh, about themselves. Nice, nice. Um, uh, here, here, here's one I'm, I'm super curious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, one of the ways that Athena activates Telemachus is by activating his sense of shame. Uh, sh- shame is often a bad thing in, yeah. in American culture, but I mean, she basically says to him, "Like, look, you're not living up to the example of your father. You're, you know, your, your father is this great hero. He's been away for 20 years, and he's, you know, he's got all this glory that shines throughout yeah. uh, Greece. And you're, you're right now, you're, you're not doing that. You, you need to be stepping up and yeah. doing more. Do you ever have these? Maybe shame is not the right mm-hmm. word to use here, but do you ever have conversations with your um, your mentees where it's like, look, you know, it's time, time, time to, uh, time to grow up. It's time to so, yes. um, assume and, the, the tradition of leadership that's been handed down to you. Such but, as it is. I mean, it, it's interesting. And the, the form that that takes is, um, we do, you know, these exercises where they have to stand up and they have to mm-hmm. give speeches, they have to be interviewed and things like that. And, and every year somebody will say, I can't do this one. I don't, know how to do this one and i'm not going to do mm-hmm. a good job if i do it and it's not my personality or it's not my culture like there are uh, a lot of different uh-huh. um things and so it's funny because they're not telemachus like they don't have um that they haven't been past that mantle and mm-hmm. they're not the the son of kings yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. to tell them you absolutely have the power and you need to do this exercise because this will unleash it for you this will show you mm-hmm. that um that even though you doubt yourself and you think that you're not going to be um, good at this, mm-hmm. that um, that this is the only way that you ever gain this power is by taking that, doing that hard thing, standing up on the stage. It's, it, it sounds like uh, uh, you feel like public speaking is very transformative. Yeah. I like do. The, that is, it's not oh, just yeah. one skill in a in a toolkit yeah. of skills that that it really causes you to see yourself differently. And yeah, and and it's not like so much of the public speaking that they do in school, but where you are maybe even in debate. You know, you're you're advocating for something that somebody has told you to advocate mm-hmm. for. So this is very very personal mm-hmm. public speaking. Mm-hmm. Standing up and saying, I. I, I want to change this thing. The reason I want to is I experienced this mm-hmm. in my own life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they talk about incredibly personal things. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. My mom died of cancer and um, and she couldn't get health insurance. And I think that that contributed. And so I want everybody to get health insurance. I mean, it's things like that where you are you're really being vulnerable to a larger group and using that vulnerability to actually get people to understand where you're coming from and using that experience, that personal experience to, um, to show that you have the credentials to solve this problem because somebody who has Mm -hmm. seen something firsthand, you know, a mother dying of cancer, they know stuff that most of us don't know because they've lived through this thing and they're young, but they can use that to credential their leadership. And it's really powerful. Yeah. That's, that's, well, and and again, it, it kind of, to, to our earlier point about finding uh, skills or experiences, 
<clears throat> that would qualify as leadership and you didn't know it. It's, mm-hmm. it's that expertise. It's that personal yeah. experience right. that you were saying yes. and, and realizing that, that uh, you know, our, 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 our experiences are unique and powerful and yeah. can be uh, important for other people to, to learn about. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Uh, let me see just a couple more. Oh, here, here, um, another part of Telemachus's, um, maturation, uh, involves, uh, maturation into a leader involves networking. Uh, Mm -hmm. he actually has to go visit two Kings that have ties of hospitality with his, uh, with his father. Uh And in a lot of ways, this is about, uh, we call it hospitality, but it's, it's a lot about restoring political alliances. The idea that if you can go to these famous Kings, Nestor and, and Menelaus, who are heroes of the Trojan war and, uh, renew those ties of hospitality, be recognized by them Uh as legitimate, being recognized as the son uh, of Odysseus, you can then call upon them for support in in whatever capacity they they can give you gifts that will add to your prestige. You know, he can Telemachus can go back home and say, "Oh yes, you know this silver bowl you see right here. This was a gift uh, from Menelaus, and this bowl has a huge pedigree. And and now when it's it's an object of power, it's an object of legitimacy in his own palace. When people see that, they're like, okay, Telemachus is yeah, connected yeah. to to Menelaus now. Uh, my my sense is that that running start does this in its own way as well by fostering uh, n- networks or alliances mm-hmm. you know th- th- that are also empowering for for the women that they can come back and say oh I met with such and such and I have a story and that gives me yeah. some credibility yeah I mean a lot of the women who come <clears throat> to us they come from communities where they are not um, they don't have power so their parents aren't powerful people mm-hmm. their parents aren't connected neither are their teachers they they feel like they they don't have any access to power um so it's very difficult to get ahead it's very difficult to get people to listen to you if you have not been if you don't have that big silver bowl in yeah. your in yeah, your yeah. waiting room and so the what, selfie is the version of the silver bowl today you take a so selfie true, with actually. a it's really powerful true, person right, right. <laughs> here i am right it's on instagram um yeah, but I mean, so that that's one of the biggest things that we can do. And Running mm-hmm. Start, luckily, we've got this vast network of powerful women who want, and it's not just women, it's men too, mm-hmm. um, who want to help connect them. And so, I mean, that's one of the things the mentorship platform will do. But, um, you know, since the beginning, we have brought in the most powerful people, the most influential people we can, mm-hmm. and introduced the powerless to the power because that's those connections mean all the difference Mm -hmm. because it's really it's just all you want is for your voice to get heard and then hopefully you'll do a good enough job that you'll catapult right Right. but if you can't get that platform if you can't you know ever get Mm -hmm. anybody to hear your voice then you can be great but you're not going to go anywhere and so that's why we try to make sure that no matter where these young women come from that they get introduced into the channels Mm -hmm. of power so that they can they can rise up and do do what they otherwise wouldn't really be able to do. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the Greek word is uh, kleos for glory. And uh-huh. my, my sense is uh, that uh, w- women who come to Washington, D.C. from all over, uh, they, they come back, they, they bring a certain kleos yeah, with them when they right. come back to their home, even, even at the level, <clears throat> excuse uh-huh. me, of storytelling, to be able to hold people's attention by saying, yes, I met this congressperson or I met this leader in Washington, D.C., like, therefore, you know, let me tell you, you know, this was my icebreaker for the conversation. Now I can... I can take it even further. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and it's interesting. And they will not just, when they go back to their hometowns, a number of them will write for the paper. They'll be interviewed mm-hmm. in the paper. Yeah, and yeah. that's, you know, they, they're interesting because they've had this experience and they've been to Washington, D.C. and right. met these cool people. And it helps them to get their, their word out there. And I, I, I would bet they, they could be telling those stories for the rest of their lives. And yeah. it could even be a, a point of networking for them in the future to say, like, oh, you, you worked with this congressperson. And I yeah. worked with that congressperson. Like right. we have something in common yeah. now. And, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, here, here's here's my last one. Okay. Uh, another part of Telemachus's maturation into leadership is the journey he takes, the journey itself that he takes uh, visiting uh, these other kings, uh, Nestor and, and Menelaus. It's both a physical and psychological journey, and at the same time, he forms uh, a friendship uh, and therefore an alliance in, in Greek terms uh, with someone his own age, the son of Nestor, mm-hmm. uh, whose name is Pisistratus. Uh, when you focus on mentoring women, how much do you focus on uh, forming bonds and alliances? There's there's a um, there's a great uh, Greek word, if, if I can belabor this uh, just a moment, uh, called homophrasune, and it means like-mindedness. Huh. And um, Telemachus makes this point that the friendship he's formed with Pisistratus, ha- or the journey that they've been on, has cultivated like-mindedness. Like they, they oh, come cultivated. to come like to it. see yeah. the the world in similar terms. Yeah. They, they they feel kind of the same yeah. way about it. They, they've reached this level of understanding. So we're now beyond the mentor-mentee uh-huh. relationship, but just how how the the journey to becoming a leader can foster friendships that, yeah. that again, um, serve for, for a lifetime and, uh, and, and are also just enjoyable for, for their own sakes. Yeah, but I really like what you said about fostering like-mindedness mm-hmm. because um, – we have students coming from really different backgrounds mm-hmm. and um, including different political backgrounds. Uh, nice. And often the first day they meet each other, like, I'm going to have nothing <laughs> in common with this person. I cannot uh, believe you're rooming me uh, with her. Oh, yeah. And then because of the experience, because of going through, you know, that six days of yeah. training, um, they, they leave with, like-minded, yeah, homo frasune, yes. same homo mind. Homos means yeah. same, and yeah. frasune like the the mind. Yeah, yeah, and I, I honestly think it's one of the coolest yeah. things because we didn't set out to do that, but then yeah. they leave with a friend and a supporter, but they also leave understanding um, the position of somebody mm-hmm. who they've never been experienced at that position, and, yeah. and learning how to find common ground with somebody coming from a really different political place is, wow, we need more of that. That's, yeah, no, yeah, no, no kidding. And it's, yeah. uh, again, to bring this back to gender a little bit, mm-hmm. um, what I'm describing here, the, the, this narrative is the basis for our buddy picture, right? I mean, we, we have all of these iconic movies and American film like Planes, yeah. Trains, and Automobiles, uh, yeah. where, where it's typically about two men. Yeah. Two men are stranded uh, somewhere, and they have to get somewhere else, and, it, you know, it's their... Uh, oil and water to begin yeah. with, you know, they're of different classes or different backgrounds, you know, different, you know, body types, you know, all, all of these, you know, they, yeah. they couldn't be more mismatched. Uh-huh. But there's something about um, being in a car with one another for a yeah. long time, cooped up and solving problems together that that does that. But again, I think more often than not, we associate this experience with with men having it, and yeah. it's uh, it's so refreshing to hear that. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they they say they're lifelong uh, friends. And yeah, I, I mean, the ones that I um, I know about, they, yeah, yeah, they really are. It's really great. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's uh, super fascinating. Um, uh, oh, oh, sorry, I, I said that was going to be my last question about mentorship. I want to ask yeah. one, one last uh, one. Um, in in your mentoring, are that would you? Uh, would you say that you teach your mentees to love certain things more than they had loved them before? Maybe love themselves is kind yeah, of an obvious answer. Be, yeah. But I'm I'm thinking things like truth. Can can you teach mm-hmm. a person? Uh, it, it would seem that that knowing the truth or being wise is kind of central to being a, a good leader. Is yeah. it possible to teach someone to love the truth? More than they Gosh, have in the Norman, past. Sorry. Well, that's I mean, such a hard. That's your last question. That's not. That's <laughs> a really hard one. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think that the best thing that we can do at Running Start is to bring in the best leaders we possibly can, the people whose leadership we really really admire, mm-hmm. and have them talk to the w- young women, um, tell their stories, talk about what's important. That that's the best thing we can do because. Um, Preaching often doesn't really work, but mm-hmm. if they become inspired by these role models that we bring in, mm-hmm. then that works. You know, there's real human examples. Mm-hmm. I want to be like her. Mm-hmm. Like that 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 is the most effective thing. Can can you can convince them to become more curious? 
Well, I, but I, I think the whole process is convincing them to be more curious. I mean, mm-hmm. because, you know, you room them, you room a young woman from Washington, D.C., with who whose dad is a senator with a young woman from, right, right. you know, um, Oakland, California, and she, she's had a totally different life. And mm-hmm. we, we get kids who are homeless. We get fostered kids all the time. And, wow, I mean, that makes you more, yeah. more curious because yeah, yeah. you're meeting people – realizing different life paths that you you didn't know anything about before. Mm-hmm. So, well, it, it's this is a, uh, an amazing discovery uh, <laughs> to, to me that, that a work I've been reading for 20-plus for uh, years is actually being enacted uh, on a, like on a daily basis in, in, in your organization. Now I have to go back and, and reread. Totally, right? and, and I, have to, I have to tell my students to read it with a, a view of, to replicating it that, yeah. and to knowing that, that this actually gets uh, replicated. Well, I, w- I want to thank you so much uh, for having this most stimulating conversation. I want to give you, actually, the final word um, by, by way of uh, challenging any of our listeners out there to, to think more carefully about a leadership problem that you still grapple with. You, you, you are a, a, an amazing and inspiring leader in so many ways, but I, I want you to kind of throw down the gauntlet and say, this is something I still still wrestle with. If only there were a philosopher or a poet <laughs> or a researcher out there who uh, could could help me with this question. What, oh my gosh. What, what right. are well, you wrestling sure. with? Yeah. No, Make I it think- as hard as you want it. I don't know if this is hard or not, but I mean, I think this is the question that everybody wrestles with is, um, am I, am I up to the job? Because as you know, with most leadership positions, think the stakes get higher. The job in a lot of ways gets harder. If it doesn't, then you're probably doing something wrong. And are, are you, how do you know that you're up to the job? How do you convince yourself on a day-to-day basis? So self-knowledge. I guess. Yeah. Self-knowledge, sure. Or, you know, how do you, what is that magic that can reassure a person and say, no, no, of of course, Mm -hmm. you've got this. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what we struggle with. Yeah. Me and everyone. Susanna Welford, thank you so much. Uh, We're talking, uh, this has been the Art of Leadership. Uh, We've been talking today with Susanna Welford, the president and founder of uh, Running Start. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with her and following this uh, amazing organization down the road. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you so much, Norman.